The more things stay the same, the closer they'll appear in your mirror. A stitch in time sinks ships. These words mean nothing, but they are an attempt to convey a deliciousness of absurdity, which is often the only way any of this world we're living in makes any sense. It's June 16th, 2021, moments away from the summer solstice, and I'm Sean Tubbs, and this is Charlottesville Community Engagement. On today's show, City Manager Chip Boyles and city staff discuss infrastructure implementation in a growing city. The Virginia Department of Environmental Quality releases the Solid Waste Report for 2020. An area transportation official makes the move to Northern Virginia permanent. And an update from City Parks and Recreation on lifeguards and pools. In today's Patreon Field shout-out, as we head into summer and the weather heats up, your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, wants you and yours to keep cool. LEAP offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $75,100, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. The top official in the Virginia Department of Transportation's Culpeper District has been hired as the district engineer for the agency's Northern Virginia District. John Lynch has held that role in the Culpeper District since 2013 and helped oversee construction of several major improvement projects, including the Route 29 Solutions projects. Those included the construction of a grade-separated interchange at Rio Road and US-29 and the Burkmar Drive extension. Melissa Shropshire is the acting district engineer. The amount of solid waste sent to landfills and other processing facilities in Virginia slightly decreased in 2020, according to a report from the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. A total of just over 22 million tons of waste was received, including 5.67 million tons sent from other states. The 2020 figure was 0.11% lower than 2019. The report states that nearly three-quarters of the solid waste was landfilled, nearly 12% of materials were incinerated, and the rest was disposed of other means, including recycling. Another statistic is that 1.63 million tons of waste was diverted from landfills through recycling, mulching, or composting. This report is made up of 201 individual submissions from processing facilities. The report also lists capacity remaining in existing landfills. The Amherst County landfill has 44 and a half years left, and the Louisa County Sanitary Landfill has another nine. The Morse Brothers Farm in Nelson County is one of 22 properties in the Commonwealth that has been awarded a land conservation grant. Last week, the Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation announced more than $4.8 million from the Virginia Land Conservation Foundation for projects that will conserve up to 6,100 acres in the state. The award for the Morse Brothers Farm will place 106 acres of land under a conservation easement owned by third-generation African-American farmers, according to a press release from the department. And finally, in our news quick update, this week the University of Virginia resumed in-person college tours for the first time in 15 months. 
These groups used to have up to 100 participants at a time, but it's been reduced to 10 at a time for now. The tours take place at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., and for more, there's an article on UVA Today from Jane Kelly. The Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Department continues to ramp up operations slowly as the pandemic continues to recede. Deputy Director Vic Garber provided some updates last week to the Parks and Recreation Advisory Committee. Uh, honesty Family Aquatic and Fit and uh, Aquatic Center remains closed and will remain closed unless there is an eruption of about 55 to 60 lifeguards. Due to insufficient staff, we are closed for the season. As of last week, there were 53 guards employed by the city. In order for the pool at the Indoor Smith Aquatic and Fitness Center to open in August, he said he needs at least 17 more lifeguards, or hours at the other facilities will need to be reduced. Garber said the contractors fixing air quality issues at Smith will wrap up their work at the end of the month, and the city will be performing tests with the consultants throughout July. Garber said one reason it's been hard to get lifeguards this summer is that many have moved on to other places. We've been closed for so long. Uh, ACAC and the YMCA probably have collected quite a few of the guards. Um, and everyone across the board, uh, I don't want to say our competitors, but within reason, um, everyone has gone to at least $15 an hour. Garber has paid $15 an hour. The city, Garber said, the city has paid $15 an hour for a couple of years now, and the amount will increase by 2% to $15.30 an hour on July 1st. Garber said that during the pandemic, city lifeguards were terminated. And uh, once you do that, it's hard to get people back. The spray grounds at Tonsler, Belmont, and Greenleaf Parks are open, but the one at Forest Hills Park has been delayed and will open sometime this month. Garber said planning is underway to build a field house at Tonsler Park for indoor sports, a walking path, and space for day camps. This was called for in a 2013 master plan for the park. There's $1.8 million in the budget for this purpose, and a request for proposals for a design will be published soon. Meanwhile, beaches at Albemarle's Lake Parks will open tomorrow at 11 a.m. and will be open Thursdays through Sundays through August 22nd. Their lifeguards are also being paid $15 an hour, according to Emily Kilroy, Albemarle's Director of Communications and Public Engagement. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. The Center for Civic Innovation is seeking applicants for its Civic Innovation Fellowship, a leadership development program that aims to build up an organization with a focus on growth mindset, design process, business education, technology and data literacy skills, government and community relations, and other topics to build problem-solving skills. Applications are due on Sunday, June 20th, and there's a link in the newsletter with more information if you want to apply. It has now been four months since Chip Boyles took over as Charlottesville City Manager, a position he will hold for at least a year before a public search is conducted for a permanent replacement for Dr. Teron Richardson, who held the position for not quite a year and a half. 
The Fry Spring Neighborhood Association invited Boyles to attend their June meeting to answer questions and to talk about the Seville Plans Together initiative. Boyles has been bringing people into his management team after the last slate of deputy city managers all left. The city is currently advertising for a deputy city manager who will also serve as the chief operating officer. That position will oversee finance, budgeting, human resources, economic development, information technology, and strategic planning. That position closes on July 2nd. Ten days later, Sam Sanders will start work as the Deputy City Manager for Operations. Ashley Marshall has been Deputy City Manager for Racial Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity since March 10th. Boyles said one of the biggest issues in Charlottesville is housing, and Virginia's separation of cities and counties into distinct entities provides a challenge. To try to tackle some of the issues that we have for housing when you cannot expand your boundaries, um, and you're very, very close to, to being built out, uh, it makes it even more challenging. You know, you're, you're Houston, Texas, you just go annex more land, build more houses. Um, Charlotte, North Carolina, you just annex more land and, and build to, to your need. Uh, Virginia, not so lucky. Boyles last worked as director of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, and under his tenure, that entity began working on regional housing and regional transit issues. The Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership will release its regional affordable housing plan in the near future. Even though Charlottesville is the, the hub for, for our community and our region, how we can work with our surrounding uh, localities to help kind of shoulder some of this need that we have even if it's to help with people moving in. So many people are, are wanting to move to our region, um, working with our neighbors to do that. One of the topics that came up at the Fry Spring Neighborhood Association City Council Forum in March was the subject of how projects get into the capital improvement program. The CIP is a multi-year budget of all of the various infrastructure projects either underway or not quite funded, but in the works to get underway. Many in the Fry Spring neighborhood want sidewalk and other improvements on Stribling Avenue to mitigate the impacts of more housing. Jason Halbert is the co-president of the Fry Spring Neighborhood Association. It seems to be a black box mystery for everyone. I know you're dealing with a lot and you're juggling chainsaws, it seems like. So I think that uh, is there any indication or are you going to task this to your incoming deputy city manager to try to tackle with your public works director? any indication of where this is heading in terms of the city residents understanding, regardless of how the staff turns over at the city, where we are with a plan on CIP. Boyle said this will be one of the first things that Deputy City Manager Sanders works on after joining the city government. He said multiple departments need to learn how to work together to implement projects for the good of city residents. The one thing I do have to kind of question, and one of the things I'm going to mention first to look at is I don't see how we can ask the neighborhoods to come up with the cost estimating for what it is you're asking for. I know that I would have no idea how much it would cost, um, you know, to run X, X linear feet of sidewalks. Boyles also suggested that more neighborhoods could develop their own small area plans. The Fifeville neighborhood did so with the Cherry Avenue small area plan, for which the city hired the TJPDC to complete. 
He said that could better inform a new CIP process. Council has in the past also uh, participated in what is called participatory budgeting. It never got off of the ground because of some changing of staffing. But I think that's another thing that we'll look at where there's the possibility that even X amount of dollars can be assigned to a neighborhood. And then the neighborhoods can help to develop a, a spending plan for those assigned dollars. Southern Development has submitted a rezoning and special use permit application for 240 Stribling. And last year, the Planning Commission asked for additional residential density. And the developer complied and is offering 170 units as well as some funding for the infrastructure improvements. Halbert said one concern is the non-urban quality of the roadway. You know, an annexed county road originally that's uh, dead ends into a gravel road and goes back into the county. Halbert said the Neighborhood Association will support the project, but only if there's a guarantee the infrastructure will be in place when and if the development comes in. Without infrastructure improvements, the street cannot take that development. To, from our standpoint, uh, to head off the typical NIMBY or reactionary uh, reactions of saying, don't put it here in my backyard, I think the neighborhood has at least a a bunch of us have made the attempt to try to work with the city and the developer to try to achieve the goals that um, of affordable housing, of more permanent affordable housing, and greater density in the city while improving the infrastructure that everyone wants, sidewalks, drainage, etc. Boyle said he needed to do more research of this proposal, but described this as a classic chicken-and-egg scenario. He did say he would like the city and other localities across the Commonwealth to be able to charge developers impact fees to pay for infrastructure. That's currently not allowed by Virginia law. Boyles did warn that money for capital improvements will be tight in the coming years. There are some major expenditures that have to occur. I'm sure you've all seen the discussions with the, the schools and the work that needs to be done there. Um, that has me very concerned with how that's going to impact some of our, you know, bread and butter roads and, uh, well, mostly roads and sidewalks. The conversation then turned to the Seville Plans Together initiative, which just had a comment period close with thousands of comments submitted. The next step is for the Planning Commission to hold a work session with the consultants on June 29th, a group of 11 neighborhood associations sent a letter to the city requesting a further six-month delay, but the director of the city's Department of Neighborhood Development Services said there is plenty of time before the new comprehensive plan and its future land use map are adopted. Here's Alex Ikafuna. The process is not over yet. Uh, it still has to go to the planning commission with the city council for joint public hearing. And uh, after that, it goes back to the city council, you know, for final consideration. And then once it's adopted, we still have another phase in the process, which is the zoning rewrite. Uh, we have to rewrite uh, the zoning ordinance, which uh, will implement the comprehensive plan. A new timeline for the Seville Plans Together initiative will be developed in the coming weeks. 
And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks again for listening. Uh, do hope to get another one out, though it could be Friday at this rate. I have another project I need to work on, but you know what? We'll see. I really do enjoy it when I can get these out to you every single day, and that is the goal. It's uh, not quite what I can provide every day, but I do want you to know that by listening and developing the habit of reading or listening to this, um, my hope is that you will know more about what's going on in the community so that you can make better decisions and that you can understand uh, that things just don't happen overnight and they don't happen in a vacuum. Uh, speaking of which, I need to go buy a vacuum cleaner. So if you would like to support this program and keep my floors clean, you can subscribe through Substack uh, for $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, and the company Ting will match that. Another thing you can do is send this on to someone else so I can continue to grow the audience so that we can get more people informed and into the conversation. This is a program that is intended for as wide an audience as possible. I'm just here to bring you the information and uh, I really enjoy doing that each and every day if I can. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I will be back as soon as I can. In the meantime, stay safe out there and... Have a great day.